fantastic chapter. Every Christian should have Romans down pat, but you got chapters 5, 6, 7, and 8, and chapter 12, I think some really fantastic stuff, really important stuff. Lord, we come before you now and lay this fresh loaf of bread before you and ask you to feed us thoroughly with it, strengthen us mightily for the glory and the praise of your name. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. Well, last time we were together, we looked at those first two verses, how Paul was begging them through the mercies of God that they could present their bodies as a living, holy, acceptable service of worship unto God. That's the reasonable, logical response. So again, God's called us to love Him with our mind. And if you read those first few chapters, you realize how we were totally gone. There was no hope for us, but Christ came and He loved us and He brought us to Himself through His horrible death and resurrection. Joyfully, we are able to receive that gift of eternal life. And so we owe Him everything. We owe Him all. We were... I was just at our high school group on uh, this week, and we were studying the life of Joseph, and I never quite caught it before. Where the Egyptians come, you know, and there's a worldwide famine. And they come to Joseph and they say, Hey, you've got all the gold, all the silver, all the bronze, all the brass. Everything's gone. You've got all our money, and we won't hide from you. We're going to die. And he said, well, give me all your cattle. Give me every living creature you got. And they did. And it was enough food for another year. And they said, you've got all our gold, all our cattle. you got everything except us and our farms. And we give ourselves unto slavery, give our land over to you, if you'll take care of us. And he said, okay. All the property is Pharaoh's. What we want you to do, and you are our servants, you're our slave. What we want you to do, though, is go back home and live status quo. Just tend the farm as if it was yours. Live as if you were free. You're not, but go ahead and live that way. All we ask is that you give 20%. And the people were just joyful. They were just going, oh, man, you're so generous. You're so wonderful. Man, this is such a fabulous deal man you've you've kept us alive and and all that you ask us to do is just give you 20 percent and man this is a fantastic deal it just all depends on the perspective doesn't it we often complain you know 10 percent tie that's a tremendous amount and then an offering on top of that boy that's just so much but see this is where we stop and we go Christ saved us. He bled on a cross. He was beaten and brutalized. He saved us from eternal damnation. He's given us heaven to come. And now His Holy Spirit lives in us, that comforter, that parakletos, that one who comes alongside and abides with us. And He's given us the gift of His inheritance, the same inheritance of Jesus Christ. And the list goes on and on and on. We should stop and go, 10%, that's chump change. That's... That's almost offensive, that's all you're asking. I mean, you gave us eternal life, and 
your own Holy Spirit in us. You've declared us as righteous and holy. It just takes on a whole nother perspective. It all depends where you're looking from. And Paul in Romans, you see, has gone all the way through and said, man, look at all that God has done for us. And so the time we hit chapter 12, we should just be overwhelmed at the goodness of God. And he's saying, what's the price? Give your whole life as a living holy sacrifice. Now that's right. Give it all. Lay your whole life down before the Lord, you see. That you would walk the way He would walk, talk the way He would talk. You're no longer your own. You've been bought with the price. You're Christ. You're His. Your body and spirit, it says in 1 Corinthians 6, are both His. Glorify God in your body and in your spirit. That's reasonable. Figure it up. Calculate it out. It's the logical response that if one died for all, then all should die. To no longer live for themselves, but for the one who died for them. And then we also see that, therefore, how does that spell out practically? To not let the world be conformed, or us to the world. And again, that concept is if if you stand still, you're going to be pushed into the world. You've got to be active. And we looked at those passages out of Ephesians and out of Colossians where it says put off and put on, put off and put on. It says it several times. Colossians chapter 3, you might go home and read that one in particular, but Ephesians as well, it mentions very clearly that we are to put off that old man, that old way of thinking, those old attitudes that are in our bodies and put on, be transformed. Now the word transform is the word metamorphosis. We're to be changed. You know, that little caterpillar climbs around and crawls around and it's a, under the bushes, down on the ground, down in the lowlands, in the damp places, the places where it's all mossy and everything. And that's where it lives and that's where it eats. And, and then one day it goes into the cocoon. And Now, in the middle of that, if you were to bust open that cocoon, you would get a goo coming out because that caterpillar actually becomes liquid. Isn't that just mind-boggling? And when it hardens again, it becomes a solid again. This time, its body is small and it has wings and it's beautiful and it flies. No longer down into the damp, mossy places. Now it's on top of the flowers, out in the sun, soaring. The Lord did that for us to know what it's like to have our new bodies. It's for us to look forward to what God's going to do. But see, it's not happening with our bodies right now. Paul plainly said, remember in Romans, our body is dead. Oh, wretched man that I am, who will save me from this body of death? Remember as he talked about this body? It's like a body that's been strapped to a dead body. That's the way the Assyrians and later the Romans did it. If you murdered somebody, they would strap that murderer's body to your body, its face to your face, its body to your body, and tape it together and let the corrosion of that dead body kill you. Paul said, that's what it feels like. I got this beautiful, wonderful, live spirit, and I've got this dead man tied to him. I feel like it's corroding me, but we learn, though, there's no condemnation to those who are in Christ. It's not happening. We're not going to be corroded by it. We have the power of God's Spirit. We're going to overcome the body. So in my spirit, I'm a butterfly, but on the outside, I'm still a dead man. And so I've got to think very practically. 
I can't think in these highfalutin spiritual terms. I just need to come down very practically. I don't want to let the world influence me. I want to be singing the songs of the Lord, not the songs of the world. I want to be entertained by the things of the Lord as we see that list in Philippians 4. That's which is lovely and pure and honorable and noble and worthy of praise. Those things are what should entertain my mind. 1 Corinthians 15.33, don't be deceived. Bad company corrupts good morals. It's going to happen. When I want to let my hair down, I want to go bowling or I want to go out and have a good time at the beach, I don't go with non-Christians. We're to be in the world, but not of it. But when I let my hair down, when I want to kick back and have fun, that's not the time with the world. You say, well, Jesus hung out with non-Christians. No, he did not. He hung out with his apostles. He hung out with the 70. He hung out with the 120. He hung out with the 500. He hung out, he hung out with people who were pursuing the kingdom of their father. That's who, they hung, that's who Jesus hung out with. He told them about the father because they wanted to hear about the father. Now, did he go eat with Zacchaeus? Yes. And the whole time he was eating with Zacchaeus, Zacchaeus was repenting. And the time the meal was over, he said, Jesus said, yep, salvation's come to this home. He didn't go hang out with this little guy because he thought he was a cool guy to hang out with. He was hanging out with them to minister the word of God to him, period. That's what it was about. And so again, we've got to really be careful very practically with our bodies, with what goes in our eyes, with what goes in our ears. You know, read Psalms 1 about the guy who sits, walks, and stands with sinners, with the scoffle, with, with the scoffers, with the scornful, with the wicked. That's not where you want to be. Why? Because our bodies are sold under to sin. They like sin. Our body loves sin. It's still a part of that old man. It did not get saved. Our body did not get saved. Your spirit got saved. The real you got saved. Your spirit, all the old things passed away, all things became new. But your body is just as sinful as it always has been. So it loves, my mouth loves cussing. My brain loves sexual innuendos, coarse jesting, uncleanness. My hands loves picking up a baseball bat or a golf club or whatever, but picking up the Bible, oh, my hands don't like that. My bottom loves sitting in a movie theater for four hours, double feature. But a half an hour sermon, oh, ah, oh, my, my bottom doesn't like it, you know. Again, it's our body. It's sinful. It's not going to help you. It's not going to be for you. And therefore, I can't wait and say, hmm, I feel like. That's going to happen few and far between. It's not going to happen enough. That would be like telling a little five-year-old at breakfast, lunch, and dinner, you can have donuts and cookies and milk, or you can have green beans and a piece of chicken and some mashed potatoes. Your choice. You're going to get some very sick little kids because they don't have the ability, you see, to choose the right things. In the same way, we are that way. And that's why we really have to be careful not to be conformed to this world, but be transformed 
So we can have that metamorphosis right now happening internally and how by the renewing of our mind. So first of all, in verse 1 is the body. Second, verse 2 is the mind. And then what's going to happen? What we all are craving and desiring. Am I where I'm supposed to be doing what I'm supposed to be doing? You will know that you're in the perfect will of God. You see, folks, <coughs> the will of God is not something we do or something we attain to. It's something we are and experience always in the now, always in the present. And so if I am living, my mind being transformed, how? Through the Word of God. We saw last time we were together in Ephesians, Colossians. It's through the Word of God. We're that washing, that cleansing. Ephesians 5 says, comes through the Word of God. You're clean because of the Word of God I've spoken to you, remember? In John 15. So the Word of God is what gives us that newness of mind, that new, different way of thinking. You see, we're in the world and... That guy at work said this, and all of a sudden we're in the flesh. Oh, I'll get him back. I'll, you know, I'll tell him I'll you know, go fight in his tires or something. You know, I'm gonna, that's our flesh. But if we're in the Word, and we just got through reading how they spit in Jesus' face and plucked out his beard, and now this guy's doing this to me, all of a sudden what comes to our mind? Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. We just got through reading, love your enemies, pray for those who despitefully use you. And then what's our first thought? What's our, see, our mind's renewed. We're not thinking after that world's way, that attitude of the devil, that old man. We're, we've got this new way of thinking, this new attitude, and it's really in our hearts. Okay, I'll pray for that stinking guy. Lord, kill him. <laughs> see, that's us. But no, our hearts really are filled with love. Our hearts really, as we think about that guy who's wronged us and hurt us, and our hearts are really filled with pity, really filled with a genuine love, and we really are praying, Lord, we really desire them to be blessed. We really desire them to be touched in a unique and a special way by you, Lord. If there's any way I can love them, I really want to be a part. It's something God really has done in us. And so there's nothing more fulfilling than to know you're, where you're at supposed to be doing what you're supposed to be doing. So people are often saying, am I doing the will of God? Very simple question. Are you in the will of God? Well, that's the question I ask. No, you're not. You're asking, am I doing the will of God? That's never going to be known. You ask the question right this second, am I experiencing? Am I in the Spirit? Am I right this moment? Is there some sin in my life that's keeping me from knowing God's heart and His mind? So, here you are on the internet looking at pornography for five hours, and then you get off going, God, I just want to know your will. It's not going to happen. Or you're out cheating somebody or lying to somebody or you're in an adulterous relationship or you just got through watching some movie where God's name is used in vain and it's all a funny sitcom around some homosexual and, and then, oh, ho, 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 ha, 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 you know, and, and, and then all of a sudden you open your Bible going, Lord, I just really want you to speak to me. You're, it's not going to be happening. You see... God wants a sanctified, set-apart vessel, we learn there in 2 Timothy 2. 
And as you are that set-apart vessel, clean, purified, set-apart for the Master's use, you will be experiencing God's will. It's not something you discover. It's just something you are. And it's something that's always happening. And there's such a peace and a joy knowing that. You can read about it in Psalms 1. The way of the righteous, the Lord knows. The way of the wicked, God doesn't know it. God doesn't plan it. God doesn't... And so in the same way as Christians, we've got with our mind to give our bodies as a living sacrifice. I need to renew my mind. How? The meditation of God's Word day and night. Not reading the Bible. Okay, I read the Word. Okay, now I'm in the Spirit. Okay, let's go off to work. No, to feed on God's Word. To truly eat it up and that He's speaking to you. And as Isaiah 50, He's giving you that Word to speak to the weary in the day. 1 Thessalonians 4, it says, This is the will of God, your sanctification, your set-apartness. That word sanctification, same root for holiness. Literally means to be set apart. It comes from the Hebrew expression of a, of a vessel that was set apart in the temple and only a priest could touch it. And if anybody else touched it, they would die. That's what you are to be. You see, this is God's will that you would live that way. And then it says in 1 Thessalonians 5, this is the will of God, that in everything you would give thanks. And so here's the picture, you see. My body, I'm not making peace treaties with it. I am putting it to death, as Romans 6 tells us. As Colossians 3 tells us. We put it to death. Well, what about a little bit of pornography? to death. What about just a little bit of lying because, you know, I, I've got to get myself out of this fix. No. Zero. None. Put it to death. All fornication, all uncleanness, all lust, all lying, all idolatry, put it to death. Like Moses got the golden calf and he set it on fire until it was ashes. That's where you need to be. Colossians 3, read it. Put to death. Then your mind, what's going to happen? Now it's an ongoing thing. That tumor will grow back that you cut out. So we've got to keep up now the Word of God. And now we're just full of joy. We're in peace. We truly are in our hearts singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, making melody in our hearts to the Lord. We're truly walking in the Spirit. And I know that whatever happens, God has it so divinely in control. Whatever's going on, I know the Lord has it. And I have things in my mind, and they're really the Lord. This last week, I have not ever talked to any of the kids at high school individually, but God really put on my heart over a couple of weeks, and I prayed about it and prayed about it, and finally I got up on a Friday morning, and I said, this is it. I've got to talk to this guy today, and I... Before school, I grabbed the principal. I said, me, you're going to sit down and talk to this young man. Right after the chapel. And you know, okay, we'll do that. And right after the chapel, this same young man came up to me, crying and said, I've got to talk to you. It was about a whole other situation. And it was just, I was able to minister to him on this. And it was just the Lord and his heart was so tender from it. And I said, you know, I was going to talk to you today. He's like, really, what? Whole other situation. But it was just... So the Lord. It was just so the Lord. And there was whole other things going on that I had no idea. 
But again, it was just God, you see. I had that in my heart. And God had the perfect plan, the perfect timing, the perfect... Man, Brian, you really hear from God. I do not hear from God. I wish I could hear from God. I always stumble around wondering, is this the Lord or not? I don't know if it's like I'm doing it. <laughs> I'm experiencing it. I hope it's God. And But you see, I have this joy and this peace. As I walk in the Spirit, I know that the thoughts I think, the things that are in my heart, the things I'm doing are about the Lord's business. And I just constantly place, search my heart, O Lord. See if there be any wicked way in me. And so as you're experiencing life, you see, you can really have freedom. That's where the real freedom comes in, walking in the Spirit. I don't have to go, God, i got to eat somewhere. i got to eat lunch today. Where should I eat lunch, God? I don't know, Lord. I don't know. Pizza? What? Pizza? Pizza pie, pizza ria, pizza. What? You, you're not even saying what, hamburger. What? Oh, oh man, I'm sweating, you know, and I've got a headache coming on, you know. I got to hear God, you know. That's that's bondage. That's not freedom. That's bondage. I can just do. I feel like eating pizza. All right. I go to eat pizza and I bump into somebody that needs. To talk about the Lord. It's no coincidence. It was the Lord. It was God's time and it was His plan. Because I was in the Spirit, I desired pizza when I was supposed to desire pizza. And it worked out that way, you see. And this is the great joy, you see, of being in the Spirit. So you want to experience God's perfect will. I don't know if you'll ever know it, but you want to experience it, be in the Spirit. Don't be dabbling around with the sins of the flesh, the things in your bondage that cause you to lead you to bondage in your flesh and renew your mind. Have a mindset, a godly mindset. Rejoice in the Lord always and everything give thanks. Not murmuring, complaining. And it get immediately my reaction is a, a godly reaction. God has a plan. God's got a purpose. I don't understand, but the Lord's going to work it out, you see. So I get fired from my job. Man, I, I didn't even see it coming. I can have a peace right now. God took that away because he has something better going on. Well, how do you know? Because, man, I, I'm not goofing around with any sins. I'm not tampering around with any lust or any covetousness. There's no other gods in my life. And I'm seeking the face of God. I'm in the Spirit. I'm doing what I can in the Spirit. So God's got a better plan. Now, if I am goofing around with sin, and I'm not in the Spirit, well, then I might have lost my job because I'm not working as unto the Lord and, and I'm not being what I should be. And God says, you're not faithful with a little, I'm going to take it away and make you appreciate the little more. And so all of a sudden, I'm put on the shelf by God. I'm benched by the boss and I'm hurting. And there in that brokenness and scared to death, what tomorrow brings... Now I humble myself, and now I'm back where I should be with the Lord. I've been humbled by God. Do you guys like being? I hate being humbled by God. It's so scary. It's so hard. It's so difficult. And so again, if you want the good life, it's walking in the Spirit. The flesh is always available. Your body is always for it. 
but it's a hard life. Not knowing, am I supposed to be where I'm supposed to be? Am I doing what I'm supposed to be doing? Should have I gotten fired or not gotten fired? Should I have been saying this instead of this? Should I? This should have been my attitude instead of that. I can't believe I did that. Boy, I'll tell you, that is hell. I've been there. You guys been there before? Anybody been there? Okay, I think everybody's been there. It's not a good place to be. Well, in verse 3, for I say, chapter 12, Romans chapter 12, yeah. Verse 3, yeah, moving right along. <clears throat> I say, through the grace given to me, so this is the Lord's strength, his power, it's him speaking, to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. For as we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function, so we being many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another, having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. So notice there that first of all, you need to see things plainly and clearly as they are. It's one hand, it's wrong to say, man, I am doing so good. You know, I'm so mature. You got to be careful. I know that when I'm feeling like I'm doing pretty good, I'm not doing as good as I think I'm doing. When I feel that I'm doing horribly, I discover I'm not doing as bad as I thought I was doing. It's always somewhere right in between. But I do know that I can be honest. I know God has called me to be a pastor. I'm not worthy of it, but I don't walk around going, well, you know, I'm just here because, you know, God couldn't find anybody else. And, you know, I, I, I just feel so lucky. And, and, you know, man, I was called. I remember at five years old, my grandma saying, you're going to be a preacher. No, I'm not. I'm going to be a lawyer like Bud Smee. You know, I, no, you're going to be a preacher. And I remember thinking that's nuts, but I remember at 15 years old, man, there was no other thing I could do. And I just began to read the Bible and call out to God and learn all I could. Began to preach around 16, 17. I was a youth pastor at 19. Started the church here at 24. I mean, there's just not been a doubt in my mind. And I know this is exactly where I'm supposed to be. Now, is there ever time I step out of the pulpit going, Brian... Nobody's going to come back next time and hear you. <laughs> Every single time. I, I in no way think that I am God's gift to you. I'm always sober going, Lord, if anybody got out of anything I said, it's, it's you. It's absolutely you. So God's given every one of us, Yishi, a measure of faith. Every one of us believe in Christ to some degree. And every one of us have a gift that is different from everybody else. Nobody can do what you can do. God's made it so. But we need to be sober in realizing that we're all members of one another. People think sometimes, I know the Lord and I have a pretty good concept of the Bible and 
I go to good church Sunday morning and I pretty much know all I need to know and experience all I experience in God. And that's scary. Because they don't think they're really a member of the body. They're sort of on the fringes out here. They don't really need the church like the rest of us, you see. We come to church Sunday morning and Sunday night and Tuesday or Wednesday night and in a home Bible study and people look at us and go, man, you go to church two, three, four times a week. Yeah, I, I don't need that. They're not being honest with themselves. They're thinking more highly of themselves than they ought to think. I don't care how much of the Bible you know. I don't care how much you experience by yourself. Ephesians chapter 4 makes it clear there is a certain point of maturity we can only experience by somebody else's adding to me. We have to have the pastors and teachers and prophets and evangelists, and we need one another as each joint and ligament supplies. Well, you know, I used to teach in Sunday school, but I'm far above that now. You know what? I have had so many people come and tell me I really never knew how to pray until I heard this five-year-old praying. I never really understood how to look at the Bible until I had to teach it to a bunch of three-year-olds. And man, I've learned so much. I've grown so much. You needed them as much as they needed you. In the same way, I need you here tonight listening to me as much as you need to listen to me. We're joint together. One's a joint, one's a ligament, one's a muscle. The ligament doesn't say, I don't have need of a muscle or a ligament. I'm such a superior joint. Well, I don't need the joint or ligament. I am the strongest muscle that can be. The muscle cannot function without a joint and the ligaments. We all need each other. It'd be sort of like the conversation of a bunch of tools. The screwdriver says, man, I, I don't like the hammer. It's too loud, and he's always trying to drive his point home. And the hammer says, oh, you're so turned around. And you're always screwing up. <laughs> and he says, well, at least I'm not as bad as that plane over there. He's so shallow. Always looking at the things on the surface. And the plane said, yeah, but at least I'm not as bad as that sandpaper. It's so rough. Always gruff and rough and causing every scratches everywhere. And the sandpaper says, well, at least I'm not as bad as a pair of pliers. He's got no grip on things. And they're having this little argument, yelling at each other, and in comes the master. And one by one, in its turn, it picks up and uses each and every one of the tools and makes the masterpiece. I don't care how sturdy and strong that hammer is, it's nothing without the rest of the tools. It won't be able to build things without the saw, without the pliers. Without, it needs all together. In the same way, we are not going to be, as Peter says, those living stones built together making this holy house. We absolutely need each other. And as we operate together as a body, there's no doubt in my mind in the process of two, three, five, 
10 years that every single one of us will have said or done something for every single one of us, no matter how large the church is, that at one point or another, we wouldn't have made it had I not heard them or had I not saw what they did or had I not been with them and overheard what they had done for somebody else. And it's so funny because sometimes I'll have said something to somebody and it just really encouraged them. And then before you know it, I've got 20 other people coming up. Brian, have you ever seen this? Have anybody ever told you? And it's like, it's gone all the way around. And the time I hear it again, it's like exactly what I needed to hear. And I realized, you know, how far did that go out? A while back, I was talking to a guy and he goes, man, I heard this incredible analogy. And he started going into this analogy. I said, wow, where did you hear that? He goes, oh, from a guy over in Japan. And I said, was his name this? He goes, yeah. He goes, I'm the one who told him that analogy. <laughs> Came all the way back around the, the We are dominoes hitting one another. We absolutely need each other. And that's why, again, I, I think that we always can do what we want to do. We can always figure out a reason not to do what we don't want to do. You ever figured that out? It's like, you need to go mow the yard, but the grass may be a little bit of damp. It did rain two weeks ago. We can always figure out some kind of reason. Well, you know, that lawnmower blade is really uh, dull, and I'm afraid it might hurt the engine. How can that hurt the engine? Don't ask questions. You don't understand motors, honey. You know, we'll always come up with some excuse. But when we want to do something, we'll make it happen. You, can't, you got this, this, and this to do, and you, know, you just told the guy yesterday you were sick, and now you're ready to go out at four in the morning out on the ocean to go fishing, you see. And we can always come up with a reason to do what we want to do. And you know, I, I just personally have always thought, when it comes to the things of God, just let's do it. Let's just plan on doing it. Let's just go to church every service. Unless it's just absolutely impossible. Let's hear the preaching every time. Let's get up early every morning. Let's stay up late every night. Let's, until we just can't do it. Let's do it. And you'll be amazed how much strength God gives you. You'll be amazed how God will supply your needs in ways you never thought he could ever supply your needs. I have just seen so many miracles when you step out in faith and live in faith in that way. I've just seen God so, do so many things. I've had so many testimonies and I've experienced it myself where you see somebody, you got your last 50 bucks and you find somebody who needs it more and you're just going, here it is. And then all of a sudden God supplies in ways that you never dreamed. Or you give up time and you think, man, I'm never going to be able to get those other things done. I needed to get done. And then all of a sudden God supplies in a whole another way. It's so fun experiencing the Christian life. But we need to be sober. We need to realize I got to go to church tonight. Those guys need me down there. That's true. I need to go to church tonight because I need to be down there. That's also true. Let's be sober. We need each other. Well, I'm tired and, you know, Brian's teaching on Romans 12 and I've already heard him teach that twice, you know. I've been in the church 10 years and I've been studying it on my own. And But what about the other people down at the church that need your fellowship? What about the guy you're going to sit next to tonight and, 
and the Lord's going to tug your heart and, and say, give him a hug and ask him how he's doing and you're going to minister to him. You see. Well, I know they have some more need in the Sunday school, but I'm already helping in the Sunday school on Sunday mornings and I, I really don't want to have to do it also at the home fellowship or on Wednesday night. I'm already doing my... Why not go for it? You know what you'll experience is far more than you could ever give out. I, I know for several years... I would preach two messages Sunday morning at our church. I would get in a car, zoom out to Donovan Prison. My wife would pack me a lunch and a dinner. I'd get out there and I'd preach twice and do a Bible study with a group of guys. Zoom back, get back just in time, usually about halfway through the worship, just in time to preach Sunday night. And then I got up Sunday, and then I got up Monday morning and went out to the prison from about nine in the morning till nine at night. And it was funny because at that time I was teaching about 14 times a week. And my friends would say, man, I, I have a hard time putting two sermons together a week. How do you do it? It, it snowballs. The more you give, the more you serve, the more God gives, the more God enables you. I don't care what it is, if it's time, if it's finances, if it's teaching, if it's of yourself, I don't know how it works. It's just God supernaturally works it. How does that happen? God gives us each a measure of faith, and we need to use that measure of faith. As you use it, God will multiply it more to you. There's many members, but there's one body. We really need each other. And there's that one body, but we're all individually members of that body, and we all have gifts that are differing. So take a note. Verse 1 is the body. Verse 2 is the mind. And now verse 6 is the spirit. If you will give your body as a sacrifice, if you will transform your mind, what's going to happen? You're going to experience the supernatural working of God's spirit. People often say, man, I just want to see God do a miracle. You know what? God is wanting to do miracles more than you want to see them. Well, man, I want to experience that. I want to really experience God speaking to me. I really want to experience God use me powerfully in teaching or evangelism. Or, Man, I just want to go to work and the Spirit of God so heavy upon me that the people around me just fall to their knees and weep saying, I need Christ in my life. You know, there's really no reason it shouldn't be happening. Why isn't it happening? Goes back to the body. Goes back to the mind. And then the spirit, the manifestation of the spirit, it will work that way. I was just up in Bakersfield a few weeks ago and I had a pocket full of tracks. Those uh, Ray Comfort ones with the Titanic on the front. Ray, I was talking to Ray Comfort yesterday and he gave me a great thing. He goes, now I say, hey, did you get a Titanic collectible? And they say, no, I didn't. And he goes, it's worth a lot of money, but not until 100 years. At 100 years, it'll be worth a lot of money. And most of the time they go, I won't be around in 100 years. He goes, well, read the back, how to redeem the value of it then. And of course, the back of it's a track. <laughs> How to redeem the value of it. There you go. But anyway, I'd handed one 
to several people as I was walking in, gave them to, I don't know, 10 people. And then our waitress came over and I, I gave one to her and I looked back and I saw her over there as a Denny. She was back there reading it, you know, a little bit. And, and she came out and she goes, do you have any more of those? I said, yeah. I said, and I gave her about five of them. I got up to the cash register and the lady there had read it. And she goes, you know, I wish I had a stack of those. Where can I buy them so I can just put them right here by the cash register? And I whipped out the rest in my pocket and I said, right here's a stack. And every eye in the place was looking at me and they were all looking at it, trying to figure out what was going on. And that was just a real sweet moment for me. And I thought, man, it can be like this all the time. God can use us in such a beautiful way, such a wonderful way, ministering to people, touching people. How is it going to happen? In the body, through the body, as we are built up in one another. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word tonight. And we know what a great joy it is to have that experience of being in the Spirit. We've all had it. And Lord, we know there's a transformation, there's a metamorphosis you want to do tonight in our lives. We know it's not going to happen in our body until you come again. But Lord, right now, Lord, we can live in that transformed life, that metamorphosis life. Knowing your will, experiencing your will, having that holy and acceptable life unto you, and then just being a blessing to one another knowing that we're nothing in of, our, of ourselves, but together as one body, how we touch, how we strengthen, how we help one another. Lord, we thank you tonight, Lord, that you've made us sober. We needed to be here, and you brought us here. But I think of so many here tonight that aren't here, so many that think Sunday morning, I hear a typical message, go home and take the roast out of the oven, and life goes on. But all week long, Lord, they're experiencing the flesh. They're angry and cussing and not a good witness and their marriages are falling apart and they're watching things they shouldn't watch and they're listening to things they shouldn't listen. They're saying things they shouldn't say. And although they're born-again believers, they're not experiencing that supernatural experience of you in the Spirit, being used by you, being touched by you, touching others, ministering to others, and being ministered to. Lord, we just really need a mighty outpouring of your Holy Spirit. Lord, I ask right now that you would baptize us in your Holy Spirit, not just those here in the camp, outside the camp. You would just pour out your Spirit upon us. That you would just cause a great moving of our spirit, that we would pray and seek your face and read the Word and feed on the Word and experience a true life in and through you. Lord, we ask right now that your kingdom would come and your will would be done. Let's pray the Lord's Prayer together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who have trespassed against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power, and the glory forever. In Jesus' name, amen. If you need prayer for anything, love to pray for you, lay hands on you, encourage you. Give somebody a giant hug around you, and...